Hello and welcome to a, another episode of the Formula Scout podcast, a uh, rather special podcast today. We're trying to answer the question of who, if any, of the current Formula 2 grid will be ever on the Formula 1 grid. I'm joined by Ida Wood, Roger Gascoigne and Alejandro Alonso Lopez to try to answer that question and uh, possibly whether any of them will be going anywhere else besides Formula One. Um, so Formula Two at the moment's got a lot of juniors from various Formula One teams, a lot of drivers connected to Formula One teams who aren't official juniors, but seem to do a lot of testing for them. And uh, quite a few drivers who aren't connected to any Formula One team. Recently, we've most of the drivers who are getting to F1 have been connected to a Formula 1 team, but it seems kind of likely that the possibly the one of the next drivers to make it to Formula 1 isn't currently a young driver affiliate anywhere. So uh, does anyone want to start off with our discussion on our current Formula 2 championship leader? Ida, do you want to start? Thank you, Luke. Um, yeah, Felipe Dragovic is somewhere ahead in the, the championship battle for Formula 2 at the moment. And obviously he has no F1 affiliation. From the rumour mill, which we've uh, we've got glimpses into, we know that he's you know thrown his hat into the ring in at least in like press conferences saying, you know, he's done it all he can to deserve. Um, a place on the F1 grid on, or like an FP1 opportunity and his management have spoken to as far as we're aware basically every team on the grid which I yeah well I mean I agree with with Taylor on the fact that it's it's unlikely at least that we'll see Felipe Drugovic on the Formula 1 grid next year it's definitely a shame because he's doing a, a very consistent campaign and he's achieving great results. But the fact of not being affiliated to a Formula One academy is definitely affecting his chances of, of being in the Formula One grid next year. And of course, he's, he's been in, in Formula Two for, for three years now. So perhaps that's why the Formula One teams are skeptic, uh, skeptic about having him on board and also the fact that, you know, it's all, it's very, very difficult to, to find a, a slot in, in the grid for, to put driver. If you are, for example, a big team like Ferrari or like Mercedes, they have some teams under the using their their power units, it's very difficult. We've seen Ferrari missing to find a place for Carlo Mailot and also Robert Schossman in the past. And with Mercedes, I'm not going to say it happened the same with Nick De Vries because I mean he also he won the championship, which it happened. It's likely to happen with with Felipe this year, but he also had many many years then in Formula Two and. He, he also missed out on, on a chance, but it seems that Formula One manufacturers 
at the moment don't have much power or at least much will to, to place their juniors into 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 um, low low into well I can walk probably at this time I'm sorry uh, they cannot get people into the customer teams teams from customer teams yeah of course back of the of the grid teams you know so it's 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 a shame for sure but IndyCar could be a, a great place for Felipe Drugovic, as either said, if, if he ends up there, IndyCar could be a, a great place for Felipe to showcase his, his talent, which is, I think, a good one. I mean, I've been following Felipe for, for some years now, and he has showed some speed in, in Crucial, crucial moments. I mean, for example, when he first stepped up into in Formula Two car, and we saw him with MP Motorsport that year, where MP had those first hirings from from Prima in terms of technical stuff. Felipe didn't miss out on the chance to to shine with them, and it's it's. I think he's a good driver, so I'm curious to, to see what he can do in, in the future if he joins in the car. Roger, you got anything to add re uh Felipe or no, I th I think we've we've covered all the points really. I, I think you know, as we've we've said, to me it's surprising. To me, it's surprising that he hasn't been linked to uh, to any seat or to any academy. Uh, I mean, obviously, it's the third season, um, but um, you know, normally there would be, I, I guess, a, a Formula Two championship leader, particularly sort of post Barcelona and his results there, or post Monaco. Then uh, you'd have expected some stories. So it does seem strange that. Uh, that he's he's sort of completely out the out of the frame, but uh, and I would agree that you know IndyCar is is the most likely option. You know when you look at the rumor mill at the moment, I mean there's quite a strong possibility if you believe all the stories that we would have more current IndyCar drivers on the Formula One grid um, than current Formula Two drivers, although they probably all can't fit into two McLarens or one McLaren, but um, which may open a lot of places in IndyCar for Formula Two drivers, but uh, if if you look at the you know the four main academies uh, of Ferrari, Mercedes, Red Bull, and Alpine, um, it's actually you know, far from certain, and actually looking ever more remote that any of those would promote anybody from Formula from the current Formula Two grid. And obviously Ferrari don't have anybody. On that grid, but um, that that in those four academies, the the successor, if they're looking for one, could come from from somewhere else. So uh, you know, I think it's not just Drugovic. Um, I think at the start of the season, we thought that this was quite a strong year, uh, and there are a lot of returning drivers, but maybe they've just been around a little bit a little bit too long. So it'd be interesting to see or to hear what, what the others think about, uh, you know, Ferrari, Mercedes, Alpine, Red Bull, maybe. Uh, I mean, they've obviously got, I think, 
four or five, depending how you count drivers, I think, in Formula 2. Uh, but they don't seem in any hurry to uh, replace the drivers they've currently got. Yeah, I suppose one of the things about being in a being with the academy or being affiliated to a driver is, uh, to a team is that even if you don't get a seat with that team, you're at least getting seat time. Like we're getting the drivers coming in and getting the FP1 sessions and the young driver tests and whatever else. And Djokovic just kind of at least in my memory he hasn't been getting that so I suppose that doesn't help but then on the other hand you can do all the FP1 sessions in the world and you're not gonna you're not going to get into an F1 seat kind of like um, one of the Williams affiliated drivers we've got on the grid um, I dare say of Williams connected drivers on the grid Roy Nisani is probably not going to be the one to to get to F1, but we do have Logan Sargent, and he's a he's a really I really like Sargent as a driver. I think he's really great, and I'm I'm so glad we've got this American talent that's come through the European um, European route because up until like the start of this year, I do properly follow the the American side of things. So it's really good to have this American talent on this side of the pond. But um, with he he doesn't seem to have been coming up into conversations that much, and Williams the Williams Driver Academy is not really promoted that many drivers. Uh, do we think Williams Williams might be the one to promote from outside, or what, Alejandro? You, your thoughts? Yeah, well, I mean, to mention now Logan Sargent, and I think that if anyone in the in this Formula 2 grid this year has a chance to step up to Formula 1 in 2023, is if there is anyone that can be there, is that Logan Sargent at the moment. From what we are seeing in the, uh, as the, Formula, the 2023 Formula 1 grid takes shape, I think if there is a chance for anyone, it's going to be a Logan Sargent either because there is our replacement at McLaren and finally yes, it seems to, to be Oscar Piastri can find a, a place there or, or whether two possibilities open up at Williams or, or whatever. I think that Logan is probably and even more because of what you've mentioned, the, the possible interest of having an, an American on the grid. That's perhaps what gives Logan that extra chance of, of being in, on the Formula One, Formula One grid next year, which I think it's still low, to be fair. I, I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see anyone stepping up to Formula One next year, but definitely I think Logan has the, the best chances. Because then we have, of course, Theo Pocher, which we all thought that it would be very straightforward this season. It would perhaps win championship ship easily and then go on to, to Formula One and it seems now that that situation is getting a bit tricky with Alfa Romeo not stating Frederick Basser, Alfa Romeo's team principal stating that they are, can find 
uh, as love for having for sharing in the car in FP free practice session one and, and also pressing one Jesus why you one you go um, work in the in the four in the car this first half of the season. So I think it's going to be unlikely we'll see Teo next year. So if I had to, to put my money on someone that would be Logan definitely. Maybe not Teo next year, but is there any chance of Teo in the future? Because it's not been it's not as common now, but some of us have had a have had a year out. Giovinazzi, I think, had a had a year between his F two and his um, F one debut. So is it possible Teo or any of these drivers are going to be ones that sit out a year and then come back, or are they going to be sitting out a year and then going to IndyCar? I, I think it, it could be the case because although we're hearing that Sebastian Vettel could renew with Aston Martin or he's talking to McLaren as well, we, we know that's an actual thing happening now. Um, the most likely option, I think, is he, he'll be without a seat by 2024. And Lewis Hamilton as well, he's another driver who probably won't be on the grid, nor will Fernando Alonso. So you've got three big, big seats in a way. If Aston Martin do actually, like, the investment, the investment goes to plan, and they have a car that's capable of being like top four. Then we're gonna have three big seats up for grabs, and I think that if that's the case, those teams would promote from within from other drivers that are contracted to them. Um, so at Alpine, we might see Piastri or someone like that. Um, at Mercedes, it'd be whoever's from their junior team who's in F two or F three at the moment, and then. Um, as for the other one, not quite sure, actually. I think it's a tricky one as well, because with the new engine regs coming in as well, some teams will be switching engine supplies, so their allegiances are going to change. And like mentioning the fact that um, Joe Grant used in the Alfa Romeo seat at the moment, the Alfa Romeo team looks like it might become some kind of Audi team in a few years. So is that going to influence like commercial pressures on who they're going to sign as well? Um, that there's those kind of factors we have to consider. Yeah, I, th I think with those drivers dropping out, it, it probably is logical. And obviously Alpine would definitely fit in Piastri if available. I, I just can't see in a million years that Mercedes would put Vesti in the car. Um, so nothing against Frederick Vesti, but I just think Mercedes are not, not going to put in a, a rookie. So you then get all the cards being shuffled and then Mercedes taking someone from another team, which potentially, you know, opens up a place. Um, I don't know who that would be, but let's say they take Gasly and then that opens a place at Toro Rosso for somebody from the Red Bull Academy. Um, or Hamilton hangs on long enough until uh, Antonelli is, uh, is ready to, to move up through, through their program. So I... I I think it is it is a bit difficult to 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 predict uh, which which drivers are going to drop out, but you know we're still Hamilton could easily continue for a number of years, as could could Alonso, um, probably Vettel as well. So it, without new teams coming into Formula One, we are sort of missing 
those entry teams, if you like, which have which have allowed drivers to get on the grid. Um, possibly now with the new, you know, financial regulations and the budget cap, there's possibly even less opportunity for a well-financed driver who's got the super license points, but maybe isn't the top uh, top runner in Formula Two to to get on the grid. So. Um, uh, I think there are very few opportunities and are, are likely to be very few opportunities in, in the next few years. It really sucks. And I don't want to go on and on about Alonso because I, I feel like my Twitter's made my feelings about Alonso very clear. But it, it what what does it say for the um, the Alpine Academy that they... They brought in Alonso and they, they kind of ruled out anyone from their Young Driver Academy. Before the start of last season, I think it was, or even the start of this, the, before the start of the season with where we all thought, well, where you all thought Joe was going to do well. And then obviously Joe didn't pan out, but Alpine didn't know that when they didn't sign him. And Alpine continued to kind of not, shown any efforts of of um bringing in their bringing in their f their f f2 drivers how 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 do you i i, I don't know why i'm asking you guys but like how how do you stay motivated at an f in the junior team how are they staying motivated when there doesn't appear to be any slots opening up I guess Alejandro and Bajo, you've all spoken to drivers a lot more than I have. What, what, what? How is that attitude? Yeah, well, I mean, it's very easy for them. It's either you are on a junior team or you have zero chance of making it to Formula One. We've seen, uh, well, all the all the conversation is going that way the, towards the the point that there are very few spaces in, in Formula One. The main issue I see is that teams are not willing to, to take risks and bring new drivers on board because we've seen and we are seeing different drivers having average performances season after season and they still hold on to their seats because mainly because there is no one ensures that anyone coming is going to better that. So why are we where are we going to change that? It happens in, in Alpha Tauri a lot. You know, um, we could perfectly have other drivers who perhaps are not are not winning in, in Formula Two, but they've shown throughout the years that are very, very quick. So the problem is that no one's willing to take the risk and bring new drivers on. They prefer to, to stay like they are with the current drivers. So they don't have to focus on adapting to a new driver or something like that. And going back to your question, I think it's, it's very easy to know. Or you are part of, it, it doesn't really matter if you are part of an academy or not. At the end of the day, it's a t-shirt and, and all that. But they need to have that kind of sort of relationship with the Formula One teams in order to be able to run private tests, private Formula One tests with old cars, as like it has happened to to Jehan Darubala in the McLaren now, despite being a Red Bull junior, has been running the McLaren. 
from 2021 and, and also Ali Caldwell and many other drivers that have those around the around the aiming for Formula One are are, are somehow affiliated because they need those kilometers in Formula One machinery. And the only way to, to get that is through having some kind of, of relationship with Formula One teams. And at the end, this is way is being part of, of an academy. So I don't know, it's perhaps there, it's just something you have to to accept and you've got to be to be there. And perhaps, you know, with the problem I see is that with because of that, because what I am saying, the academies are so full because everyone wants to be there. And the teams know that the drivers have that need. So they offer that for those possibilities of running all Formula One cars and they have them all on board. But and at the end of the day, you I think you miss a bit the point of what's an academy or what's the purpose of the purpose of, of having an academy which is selecting the best talents out there. Yeah, I, th I think your your question about the motivation, um, I mean, anybody in Formula 2 has got a much better chance of getting into Formula 1 than they would have of winning the lottery if they bought a ticket. So they're, you know, they're, they're optimists. Um, anybody who's any good in the field would, you know, when, when you talk to them, they all say, you know, they aim to be top three by the end of the year. No, nobody or very few are going to say, well, I hope to be, you know, in the top 20. Um, so that they all, you know, think, you know, the break could come their way. Somebody gets injured, somebody retires, and it's just, you know, you're holding the right card at the, at the right time. You know, if, uh, Latifi had to sit out four races. Who would who would Williams bring in? Um, so that there's always a chance. And once you're in there, then you know you think you you can you can show your your credentials. I think we we then get into a wider discussion of of the the hierarchy and you know the merits of Formula Two and uh, is it producing the right skills? And and I I, I I've had a couple of whiskeys already so I, I would get on to uh, reverse grids which I think you know just prevent anybody running away with the championship so everything is designed with pit stops with strategies with reverse grids to stop anybody being dominant which uh, you know makes it harder maybe to to select the the out and out uh, talents but uh, I'm pro probably now, you know, being in, uh, in addition to the points that, that Alejandro just raised, you know, the merits of being in the academy, um, there are opportunities arising, you know, in hypercars and uh, LMDH in, in the sports car world, there's going to be a huge number of births uh, probably available in the next few years um, for, for talented drivers outside of, of Formula One to still be, you know, almost at the very top in, in professional motor racing. So if you're in with a manufacturer, then, you know, clearly there are, there are potential other opportunities outside of, outside of Formula One. Looking at Alpine in particular, 
um, I think there's a highly political case of if you're in the junior team, there's no, there's not even there's no like guarantee you're even going to get the F, old F1 car test program because you had originally Mia Sharisman running it, and then this year the Julian Rouse setup came in with Alice Powell as well, kind of on the, as a talent scout, and like above them, the people making decisions, so Laurent Rossi and that, they're all disagreeing with each other, and it's caused a huge kind of not just like a backlog with talents in the program, but also like it's lost its vision that the, the academy doesn't know what it actually wants to do i think one idea they all kind of agreed on is they want more like um partnership work with endstone so they want to utilize the f1 facilities more for those junior drivers but at the end of the day as the ceo of alpine said to us directly that the goal isn't to create f1 drivers at the alpine academy it's to create essentially commercial champions of alpine that you can distribute all over the world um and one of those programs they could do that with is the sports car stuff as well and of all the drivers in junior teams at the moment apart from like Antonelli and Lindblad and those kinds of ones at the bottom the driver who was being supported by like a, a big team in motorsport was Thomas Laurent he was an Alpine driver just before the whole like switch over internally occurred he got dropped from the sports car team uh zero mental health support really and he was one of the most talented or like best young prospects in sports cars we've seen in the last decade. Um, and it kind of showed because that was an Alpine decision, not a Signatech decision, like that's kind of the company culture, I'd say. So I, I think that goes across to F1 as well. They don't, they don't really want Piastri in F1. Otherwise, they would have been proactive in making him get there. Um, so, yeah, the junior... So I feel like we've kind of come to the conclusion that probably not anytime very soon we're going to get any of these F2 drivers onto the F F1 grid. But is there is there any hope for like who on the F1 grid oh, on the F2 grid? Sorry, kind of has the most hopefully let we we'll kind of end let's end with a end on a positive like who would be our pick to get onto the F1 grid sometime this century from the current F2 lot because um I mean it might not be next year, it might not even be the year after, but some some I, I'm optimistic that at some point the the, the twenty twenty two Grid will feature on an F1 on an F1 grid. May maybe Daravala because Red Bull India has the budget going into his program, uh, from what I understand. So he, he has got money behind him in addition to being part of the Red Bull Junior team. And if you anyone's read our data feature recently he's actually doing a far better job than the the, the points table suggests but he's also a bit like the drivers ahead of him he's been in f2 for too long to really make an impact and also in the series before f2 he was never spectacular so can't see much hope for him the other one i might bargain at to actually get to f1 from formula 2 is awasa um, although Honda and Red Bull have kind of split in F1, 
there's a lot of talks that even though the Porsche deal will be happening with Red Bull in a few years, we could still see Honda return, or at least their international motorsport program will still be targeting to get a, a Japanese driver onto an F1 podium. Uh, and given they've got Ren Sato as well, but he's in Super Formula, I think it's almost the case here that if there's no free seats in Super Formula, why not try and push a driver into F1 instead? Um, so maybe strategy-wise, getting Iwasa some there for any team might be possible. Yeah, I I was uh, I was going to say Iwasa on on the basis of of potentially Honda coming back as well um, uh, and looking for one of their their proteges, Logan Sargent, who we've mentioned. I think there's obviously a risk that uh, somebody like Colton Herter kind of takes all the oxygen if he comes in uh, for for sort of an American driver, but that gives Logan Sargent I think the hope that it all and then nobody comes from IndyCar and then we're just so desperate for an American that uh, he, he's clearly at the moment in, in pole position. I, I still think Porsche um, Yeah, so, well, as we've mentioned and Ida mentioned, Iwasa could have an option possibly in the next if I don't think 2023, of course not, but perhaps 2024 could be an option for, for Iwasa to be in the Formula 1 grid. And also, the Rubelai somehow can make it happen, or perhaps if Daruba could even have a chance in 2023 if Yuki Tsunoda starts doing crazy things again. I wouldn't rule that, that out. And then, of course, as we've already mentioned, Logan, I think if the big pieces fall in, in, the, in the right place for everyone, uh, Logan could have a chance next season if he keeps performing. Uh, I mean, if at the end those old drivers who seem to, to be willing to, to hold on to their seats for more and more seasons, somehow decide to, to go to go home, perhaps we could have a chance for Logan as well as for, for Oscar Piastri, who's of course no longer in the in the Formula 2 grid, but is the, the Formula the reigning Formula 2 champion. So yeah, I'd say Darubala, Logan Sargent and Ayumu was uh, those the three with most chances of, of getting to Formula One. I, I I'd rule out Share unfortunately, and of course, Lippi Drugwitz, because with their current situation and their current position, it's I, I find it very difficult they can make it to, to Formula One. What did you, did you want to finish your point? I don't know for sure when we when when you when you got out. <laughs> yes, I well, I was going to say. Um... But uh, I think one of the reasons we're maybe a little bit negative about the Formula 2 field is uh, generally a positive feeling about the Formula 3 field, which, uh, you know, you always sort of push it down and then you say, well, Formula 3, yeah, but they're going to get overtaken by Formula 4, which is really strong. Uh, but, um, uh, you know, I think for, you know, there's 
talk and uh, it's been reported that Hadjar would would step up to Formula 2 and you know potentially Hadjar or Crawford become the sort of uh, the, the main hope for Red Bull obviously Ferrari don't have anybody in Formula 2 so you're looking you know Bam and Leclerc uh, as potential candidates there so I think and, and maybe Alpine uh, as well with with Victor Martin so you know there, there are candidates maybe below who who you think you know could could overtake so actually the formula two field is sort of getting squeezed by indycar on one side formula three on the other and not many seats being available anyway which is uh probably an unusual unusual situation we've got into certainly the indycar part i suppose that's kind of a more positive note to end on in that there are lots of talented drivers all over the place and the talented drivers on the F2 grid are probably going to find a seat somewhere, whether it's IndyCar, sports cars, or maybe Formula E, which I don't think we mentioned, but there are a couple of drivers who've got connections there. But I think I think we've kind of turned that around, that's kind of positive. Uh, we'll, we'll end there before we get on to something more more we start getting more negative again uh, so that's uh, our our take on who if anybody will end up on the formula one grid from the 2022 formula two grid and um see you next time for another formula scout podcast adios <laughs>